my boy Jay. The ugly disco is this weekend, Bob. It is or was? Was. Oh, I, did. I heard about it, but I did not see it. I heard about it too from some other people. I was there. Some of it I remember, and. Some Wait, you of were it, there? I was there. No alcohol. Are you what made it ugly? Uh, I think it was named after me. Oh, that's sweet. That's perfect. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so Ugly Disco is a, is a big benefit. They have a fundraiser every year. Uh, they had it at the convention center. Uh, there was thousands and thousands of people, and they had these big dance cages and people dancing on these big ribbons hanging from the ceiling, and they had all sorts of uh, gay people around doing acts and transvestites wow. and all mixing in. Wow. It was a true 70s dance club from 8 p.m. till I left, I think, around midnight, but I know it went to like 1 or so. Uh, Nick and the nice guys were there, a couple of the other party dance bands, but I, my brother and I danced our faces off. Oh, we danced our faces off. And we definitely had a little bit, um, well, I don't know about my brother, but I definitely had a little help from a little Cappy, a little bit of mushroom mushroom Whoa. I had on my, on my side for the evening. And yes, yes, I danced my face off and enjoyed it. And, and no, I remember everything. There was never a part of the night that I don't remember. It was a wonderful experience dancing in the cage though it's always a little comfortable when married women are pushing up on me on the dance floor to be very honest with you i gotta be very very i had a woman in a cage above me putting her leg over the top of my shoulder and my brother goes she's married he whispers to me i go really she's not acting it at the moment but it was a fun night (laughs) did you get pictures no, we, we, we were trying to, we, we do have a couple short videos, but we were trying to be reserved because we knew that uh, we were probably on the edge of having fun and uh, we, we wanted to make sure it was our fun. So my brother and I haven't had a night like that in a long time and it was awesome. So with no further ado, we have a local Rochesterian on with us today. She is this wonderfully cute, bubbly woman that I have met just a short time ago, but I knew right away that we had to have her on the podcast because she has a unique story. She is a graduate of Oswego State University, like myself. She has had drinks at Old City Tavern, like myself. I don't know if she had them on the roof like I did when I used to live there, but I have I have definitely had drinks on the top of Old City Tavern. But we have with us today, from Syracuse originally, she is now based here in Rochester, we have Miranda Schaefer. Hi. Hello. <laughs> And in the studio today, it's been wavering the last couple of weeks, but Robert Pye is with us today. Wavering? Yeah, you know, we, we've had a, a different guest, different needs, and, and you haven't been on, but but you are here today, so we are happy to have As you As needed. We love you, Bob. Oh, thanks. Yes. That's not to razz you. So, Miranda, we thank you for joining us. Did you go to the Ugly Disco by any chance? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know it was going on this weekend. That's my bad. But, um... One of the bars I used to work at when I first moved here, everyone would come to it afterwards. And it's just, it's like they brought the ugly disco back to the Whitner. And it was so fun. So the Whitner is where you first worked when you came here. Yeah, that was my first job when I got here. So. Awesome. And that's on Witten Road. For those who don't know, I'm trying to paint a picture of Rochester for because we have listeners from all over the, the, the world. Actually, okay. we are international. We are, so Miranda doesn't know much about the podcast, so we'll educate her a little bit, so we'll make her really nervous. Oh, good. We are in 39 states and nine countries in 27 weeks. Sweet. Uh, good we, for you. Facebook and Instagram are our enemies at the moment. They do not want to allow any of our promotions to move our network and, and have it go nationally. We've had 21 promotions turned down now through Instagram. So I'm putting this out there to everybody. Well, th- does that make sense, Miranda? It's a podcast. 
from maybe because your banner for the podcast is a pot leaf just maybe no that's definitely true see see miranda is very realist i love her already <laughs> he's, he's yes. working on it we he's, are so we're yeah. changing our logo we're trying to change our, our uh image or perception a little bit um, so we're trying we're trying to uh, change the perception a little bit to allow Instagram to to be friends with us, uh, <laughs> but but we're getting there. So so we welcome you to the show. I'm so happy. Um, your background is awesome. First of all, Oswego State. You're yeah. a Laker, fellow Laker. Oh my gosh! It took me so long to graduate from that place. It was so bad. I had an extra semester there too. So yeah, me like t- six years. Ooh, <laughs> but what did you get a major in? I got my bachelor's in the fine arts, so I have a focus in painting and drawing, a minor in illustration, and a minor in art history. So when you take three or four, four hour, or three hour classes a day, and or a week, and it's twice a week, it takes so long because all these professors are like, "Oh, my class should be the only class you're taking right now. You should work twenty hours outside this class for every hour you're in class." It's ridiculous. I can't. Ooh. From, now, what was the name of the, uh, I know there was like one uh, building there where most of the arts are. And that was Tyler. Tyler. Oh. So my, um, so my senior year, they were like redoing Tyler. So they had us all the way across campus in a new building called Shinneman. Mm-hmm. And that was like behind where Snig used to be. Oh, they tore down Snig completely. Uh-huh. Um, so my some of my classes were in that building and then some of my classes were back in Hewitt. So I was just walking either wow. sides of campus. Every That's basically day. the east east side versus west side. Yeah. So she's talking probably, probably a mile, mile and a half between these two. Just that's so and a hill. And it's a hill between the two constantly. Right. But I mean, on the upside, I was able to order all the dominoes I wanted because I was walking <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I love it. There's always a bright side. Yeah. Uh, so Hewitt was in the middle of campus. I loved Hewitt. It's changed so much there. You, I, were you there? Did they have the ice arena in the middle of campus when, when you were there? Uh, they have that in the campus center. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, we, I didn't. I, we all had to go out, trudge to Romney Fieldhouse across the street. Oh my, no. <laughs> so no, I wouldn't be going ice skating ever if that were the case. Oh yeah, we were. That's what we had to do. We trudged over there, and I worked at the sports information office, which was in the athletic building over there. Mm-hmm. So I, everything I had to do work wise was over in that building. I had to go over there for everything. So I had a bike. So I biked over there constantly. Yeah, I uh, I played rugby, but we never had to go over to that building. Yeah, that's you had the cool rugby field. Yeah, we, the hidden yeah. fields. Like we thought we were all cool, but you just like walk through some trees and there's just an open field. Yeah, but you could do anything back there. That's what made it great. It's campus security never went back. I mean, it really oh, was isolation. Did. Oh, because oh, oh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they caught on. <laughs> so the rugby teams t- tended to be kind of the drinkers on campus. Am I right? Yeah. Um. So I lived off campus my whole college career, and. It wasn't until my senior year that I actually became a college student. They taught me wonderful things like keg stands and how to funnel a beer and how to shotgun a beer. And I, I really feel like you haven't had the full rugby experience unless you've drank a shitty beer out of a dirty shoe. It's called <laughs> shooting the boot. Uh-huh. It's like when you're really drunk and they make you sing songs and you mess up the song and everyone just chants it at you. And it's really fun. In the moment, you loved it, though, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. I loved it so much. And and I'm trying to think what the bar was that was the rugby bar across the street from Old City. Was it the wheel? What was it? I don't know what it was then. What was the rugby bar? Oh, I don't know. All I know that was across from Old City was there was always like a nightclub that's changing 
names. Yeah, yeah. It was the wheel one when I was there. Yeah, yeah so that's yeah. the one. Yeah, just constantly the <laughs> rotating bar. Yeah. There's always a couple of those in town, though, right? Where yeah. the owners just keep losing their liquor license for letting underage kids in, right? Yeah, Isn't but that the root of it usually. These kids are sneaky. Like, so I'm a bartender, so I can usually tell. Like, if somebody looks really, really young, no matter, no matter if they give me like a valid ID, I'm trying to pick off the sides of their ID. Like, I'm playing at the corners to see if it lifts at all because they are getting so good. It's scary. Like, my friend sent out for one in Philadelphia, and it had her name on there and her birthday, but it just changed the year, and it had like a fake address from Pennsylvania and she paid $200 for it and had got her in everywhere because she didn't have to like make up a fake name or make up a birthday. Yeah. They ask her questions. So she can name everything right. fine. She yeah. remember one year difference. Yep. That is great. I remember I had to go to Euclid Avenue in Cleveland and I had a Michigan license made up that looked nothing like a Michigan license and it worked <laughs> everywhere in Greece and Oswego, <laughs> except for the shed because I go to the shed one time with my dad, nonetheless, I'm with my father and he knew I had a fake ID, so he's all on board with at the time. And he goes, and the girl goes, what's the capital of Michigan? And the dumb butt that I said, said, Anna, uh, I said, uh, I think I said Ann Arbor and it's Lansing or I said Lansing was Ann Arbor. I was wrong. And she kicked me out and told our, her, told all of her security guys, don't take any Michigan licenses the rest of the year. Yo, that bartender deserves a raise. <laughs> no crap. She, she was on she her was, game, man. Yeah. She got me like nothing. Oh, That's man. my story. So, so tell me more about Oswego, like your experience there. Uh, uh, did you enjoy it? Did, did you, what did you learn from it? I had a love hate relationship with Oswego. Um, I absolutely loved being away from Syracuse and like being away from mom and dad. Like, hell yeah, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to eat cupcake for breakfast. I'm such a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> and you were a whole, what, 45 miles away from home? Yeah. So I, I had my, I don't, I don't know how anybody gets around in this state without an SUV, but thankfully I was young and I had good credit. So I had a Nissan Rogue and his name, God, I forgot his name. It was like Tommy or something. I always named my cars. Of course we names. all do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I, I had to drive back and forth every single day. And then I finally got an apartment with uh, three other girls, three other <laughs> three other girls on the other side of town so you know we threw all of one party because we were excited we're like yeah we've got our own house like now we're really away from mom and dad we can do whatever we want and we got the cops called on us the first party we had there were maybe 15 of us in a four-bedroom house and that was that that was that for junior year oh gosh <laughs> one party right so i I didn't do too much outside of just my classes in uh -huh. college just because my classes were so demanding. I remember um, I started off as a broadcast major and then I switched to journalism and then I was like, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I went undeclared and tried uh, doing all my gen eds and I, I took... I took this art class to fulfill the fine and performing arts need for my gen eds and... Um, they had a an undergrad or a graduate student teaching it because the professor who originally taught it, she was off on maternity leave. And he taught it as if it were intro to drawing, like drawing one for art majors. And I absolutely fell in love. And when I say I fell in love, I cried every single class because I felt like I wasn't good enough. Oh, <laughs> I was oh. like, I'm so bad at this, but I'm going to finish it. But I, I have three amazing like 
big drawings still from that class. I have them not in my portfolio, yeah. but like I have them saved in your just, collection. Yeah, yeah, you're, just for you're sentimental prideful. reasons. Yeah. So, um, his name was Jay Lochnick, and he he was so nice, and he was so patient with me because I'm such an emotional train wreck. Uh-huh. <laughs> Because you because why you just want to be perfect? I mean, yeah. Right? So I am my own worst critic in any anything I do. It's so bad. So I mean, with like um, the fitness and with my artwork and even with bartending, sometimes I'm like, wow, I suck at this all the time. <laughs> but then I say it with a big fat smile on my face. So it's almost like you're just trying to be introspective to remind yourself, almost as like your own um, pinch. Yeah. To check yourself, right? Yeah. Like, I suck at this, but I can be better. I can so, do it. So you don't beat yourself up to the point where you go home and eat bonbons to bed? No, because right? like, I mean, yeah. if I eat bonbons, I don't feel shitty about eating bonbons. No, that's right. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, some people, yeah. they do. They get so yeah. insecure and so scared, they end up going home and doing Right. I think there's only things. been, like, one or two instances where I've been so upset by something that I've, like, gone home but it was like i had to go home to pull myself together like i'm not gonna get anything accomplished right now i'm gonna mm-hmm. go home and watch some netflix currently watching the vampire diaries for the fifth time oh okay that's your go-to oh god i love that show so much that's all right <laughs> hey we all got a vice <laughs> um and then just like get back at it the next day and actually finish it with a clear head you know because I'd, I'd rather do it well than get it done the night before and have it half-assed. Amen. So do you still work on your art now? Um, From time to time, I don't really do it as much as I did in college. Like I definitely, it was was like having two full-time jobs. I wouldn't sleep from Sunday to Tuesday most weeks because I would be just up painting and painting and painting. Now define the painting. Uh, I always like to, because there's so many different mediums. Yeah, so I do um, oil paintings and I really like to, paint heavily tattooed naked people yeah because it's very challenging wow so so not only you're getting their physique you got to get the, the ink on them too yes. oh wow yeah so it's like a push and pull you can't just um start off with painting their tattoos because you have to paint like their skin but i mean at this at at times like you'll have somebody who has a newer tattoo on their body or an older tattoo on their body and even though they're both tattooed with black it's going to fade a little bit so it's it's it might be like a purple or a blue yeah oh that's so cool so i i love it it's it's stressful at times but it's less stressful now that i'm not in college because i don't have a deadline no it's it's a it's your hobby yeah you're all that so, and it also helps that, you know, I'm covered in tattoos and so is my boyfriend and so are like half of my friends. So I never have to look far to find a model. Oh gosh. Yeah. No. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I'd let you take, I'd love for you to do like my legs. You have five of my legs. I'd love to just, just do that. It's like, so much fun. Oh, that, and you're doing it all in oil? Yeah. Oh, the layers. Oh yeah. But I wouldn't, I tried, I actually learned in oil, which I'm so thankful for because I speak to um, art students and other schools and they did um, acrylic painting and actually my favorite painter paints in acrylic. And I've tried to like for exercises in school, I've tried to replicate pieces of his paintings and I, I can't do it. I like they put a layer down and they let it dry and they put another layer on and they let it dry. I want to be able to come back the next day and work back into what I did. Like the, it just never, it never dries. Yeah. 
You just to let it dry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My cousin is an older gentleman and he does oils. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing one right now of a, of Western scene and he's got myself and my son and my brother in it. Oh, that's awesome. And it, yeah, it's so cool. And I can't wait to, it's cause it's one of those things that, you know, doing it, they last forever. Like mm-hmm. he's, once he does his final uh, finishing the, whatever you call it, the shellacking or whatever yeah, you do to finish yeah. it. Like I, this is going to be a piece that's going to be in our family forever. Yeah, um, like I, mean, I can't wait for I that. I think you take like water and lemon juice and just like a very light cotton swab if you ever want to clean it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So. I love it. Oh, I love art. Oh, we'll talk more about that. Okay, so you have art. You're a bartender. Um, tell me about bartending in Rochester and have you bartended in other places other than Rochester? So um, I actually... <laughs> I started bartending in Syracuse. So I worked at Red Robin in Fayetteville. Um, I don't know if you've ever been Yeah, down it's a there. franchise, right? Yeah. Red so, Robin? Yeah. I know which one you're talking about too. Yeah. So I worked there for about three years. And before I turned 21, they actually trained me as a bartender. And even though it was kind of crappy and I didn't make much money at all because they were all of six bar stools at that enormous bar they have in Red Robin. <laughs> um they were very technical and precise on everything. Like I had to do pour count tests and like a, and like a little test tube set that you would have in like your science class or something every time before I started to make sure that my pours were on count. And so I wasn't like wasting liquor or whatever. So as far as technical aspects, I was very happy to start at a commercial restaurant because they have like a five page packet of things you have to go through to make sure that you're trained properly as a bartender. So um, I worked there for a while and then I moved to Utica for some uh, for a summer to be with a a gentleman that I had been with for about a year at that point. And I was I went back to serving and it was at Applebee's and I power to you if you work at an Applebee's, man, it was I did not like it. I was at Applebee's for uh, eight months after I graduated college, as, and I I had to get out of there as quick. Like yeah, no, ooh. it was so bad. And do they have half half price apps after like ten too? There yeah, yours? man, and it's just like oh, people like a, get. This is all all servers, all bartenders ever. It's just like your food's taking a while. That's not my fault. Stop taking it out on me. Like I'm just <laughs> as frustrated, if not more. You know your tip is based on it, right? And then anybody coming in the in that atmosphere usually won't. When I when I was working at Bees, it was half for price apps. So we had a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, no. They were leaving quarters there. on the table, and I'm yeah. cleaning up more than I did during dinner hour. Right. So I mean, in Utica, you have like commercial restaurants. I didn't. I didn't really see many um, local like pop and pop shop or restaurants or bars, which are what I prefer to work at, especially out here. Um, but it was like Applebee's or I could go work on Varick Street, I think it was. And I did not have enough bartending experience to deal with that crowd. Mm-hmm. So I was just stuck at Applebee's for a few months and then I went back to school and never looked back. That was it. Go to <laughs> I Oswego. could not go back to Utica. No way. I'm surprised you didn't bartend in Oswego with, with the amount of bar count there was down there. I did, but um, I it, it was... I made more money driving all the way from Oswego to Fayetteville, which was about an hour to 30 to an hour and 45 minutes down. What? A four, 81, 481. 481. 481, yeah. 481, yeah. Yep. I made more money going there on like a Friday, staying with my mom Friday night and working all day Saturday than I would working all weekend up in Oswego <laughs> because it wasn't as busy and it's not college students. Mm-hmm. So Makes sense. College kids. I 
I get you. I feel you so hard. We are, we were all so broke. Oh man. So like, I can't even be mad at them for ordering $60 in drinks and just, okay, this is, I have $60 in like a quarter. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll see you on campus this week. Yeah, see you in math class. Yeah, see you in math class. <laughs> I owe you a couple answers on the next yeah, test. Seriously. But um, I think I, I worked at the Raven for a little while, and it was so busy there because it was mainly like a frat and sorority bar. I, I loved it. I loved the setup of that bar. It was like a circle, mm-hmm. and you had three bartenders on each side. But, I mean, with six bartenders on a shift working a Friday or Saturday night with college students, you're – you're maybe taking home fifty dollars. So Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. yeah. It's more about fun fun and the social and having everybody come there. And yeah, I'd definitely be on the other side of the bar if I could. <laughs> it would be a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Especially as we did you ever do the uh bar crawl at as we go? Did you did you ever take part in the Bridge Street Oh, r- Bridge Street Run? The Bridge Street Run? Yeah. Yes. Yes, my guy. How many so, times? Um, I did it twice. The okay. first time was my sophomore year, and that's when I finally just started making friends because i mean when you don't live on campus you're not you don't really meet a lot of people you're considered almost a non-traditional student yeah so i mean i show up i take my classes i leave so um i actually like started making friends and they invited me out to bridge street run and it was all fun and games and then i fell asleep on somebody's couch and i had no clue where i was the next morning because i was so heavily intoxicated but i mean at least you were safe. Yeah, I was safe. I mean, so that's a good thing. It was good. I think it was like my friend and her boyfriend's apartment. And then I woke up and I feel really awkward because they were like in bed together. I'm like, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad. Yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I don't know if I interrupted anything, but I don't remember. <laughs> um, and then the second time was my senior year when I finally decided to partake in all things college life. Mm-hmm. And I show up to one of the rugby houses and the freaking keg was on the roof. And I think that just like set the tone for the whole day because you, <laughs> you had to go onto the roof to get uh, a beer. Get a so, you know, there were rooftop keg stands. We were like pouring shots off the side of the house to see if like so-and-so could catch out on the bottom. It was a mess, but I had the most fun. <laughs> I can imagine. So my favorite shirts. And so for those of you who don't know, Bridge Street Run is the last day of classes at SUNY Oswego and everyone wears a white t-shirt and they just take a trolley from campus to the, I think it's front end tavern or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. On the East, it's way on the East East 10th street. And you hit every single bar on the way back and you kind of lose count before you get back to the West side because you don't even get to the bridge. No, you show up at Aztecas. It's like a little Tex-Mex place and they have like $3 margaritas and that's just, you get three of them and (laughs) you just, that's, that's, you mean you got three of them. They're delicious. So good. Why wouldn't I get three? They're three dollars. That's right. So yeah, forget about that, the rest of that run. You got the Econo Lodge after that, and you feel really bougie because it's like overlooking the water, and you're like trying to put your pinky up. Do you guys have champagne? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely hint number run. Hint number one from our guest today on the Bridge Street Run: Don't mix alcohol. <laughs> Oh, well, full send, as the youth say these days. Um, but my favorite shirts, so we wore white shirts so that we could sign each other's shirts. It's like a yearbook thing. My favorite white shirts 
always had like return to and then they would write their dorm room or their address or something and I feel like yeah that's funny but it's also really practical yeah that's a good idea yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's so practical for those days because I never thought of that if some of my fish shows I probably should do something like that yeah you used to get drunk didn't we used to write on your forehead I think that might have happened once okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe so, twice. So how many times did you go to Bridge Street Run? Officially, I didn't get to Oswego until I was a junior. I okay. went to Morrisville for my first two years. Okay. So when I got to Oswego, I was kind of, I cried leaving Morrisville. So my first oh, okay. two years of college was like, I knew that was the end of my innocence. Um, okay. my, my, I w- when I graduated high school, my parents split that day. Like that was their oh, split no. day, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I've told the story in the past. So, so I was pretty much on my own from my, as soon as I came back from that first summer, my freshman year in college, after that, I had to find, look, if it wasn't for Bob, I wouldn't have had a place to stay on my holidays and summers and stuff. So I was in kind of adult mode at that point. So when I got to Oswego, I worked at sports information office. I wrote for the Palladium Times. I wrote for the Oswegonian and I worked at oh, Friendly's wow. as a waiter. You, you, you were getting I, it. I had a bike. <laughs> I had no car. So I was busing it or I was on a bike for two years, two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And my, the last semester I was there, my ex-wife was pregnant with my daughter at the time. So my last semester in school was um, two reclining chairs, stealing the cable from the uh, apartment below us and uh, two beds on ground. And after I would wait tables at Friendly's, I would ride my bike to Walmart use the cash from waiting tables to buy baby stuff to get ready for being a dad all the way to Walmart you know that's a hike like that yeah, friendlies that is close to campus which is nice but yeah I would go out there and buy it yeah so my, like the first time my ex came up while we were together at the time she like pretty much cried when she came in the room because I kind of told her I was doing it but you know when you're in college you know you're thinking this dude you know all she could be thinking is I was up there getting high drinking every day you know but I was, I was, I had it together. So I did one bridge street run as my junior year. Mm-hmm. I didn't go all the way out cause I was always the guy that was a little more sensible than everybody else. I always kind of, I, my story that I like to tell is I'm not a Republican or a Democrat ever. I'm actually registered independent from age 18. So I was always the guy that bucked the system yeah. and knew that my mom used to call me a pain in the ass. Why, why do you always not listen to me, Brian? Cause you told me too many things when, when I was young that I, you weren't right, mom. So <laughs> like, that's me. I've always been that guy. So when I, I did bridge tree rolling once, but I didn't start till I met everybody at the river. So I cheated. Oh, so I didn't officially do it from the beginning. Rude. It was rude. I know <laughs> I had technically, I had to work and write a story that day. That was my, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Cause I was writing for the town newspaper. So what I did, actually did that day was went down and, and wrote the story at the Palladium times. I don't know if you remember the offices for Palladium times around West first street. So yes, yes. Old yes, City yes, Taverns yes. right there when you come mm-hmm. around the that's that's where I work. That's mm-hmm. where I was working. So I basically knew how long it was gonna take him to get to the bridge. When I kinda sighed, looked out the office, saw my buddies at the Kyle Lodge, finished up the story, sent it, came out, and I followed him all the way up. And I ended up being the guy that kinda made sure everybody else was okay the whole the rest of the way. Yeah, well I mean even though so that's I had my not role. a fun time, we, oh, we all needed you. I had a blast. Listen, I had a blast. I lasted the longest that night. I got so many good stories from my buddies. They were lit. Like... (laughs) lit <laughs> i'm carrying people <laughs> like oh, we're setting you here he'll pick you up in a little while we're going like you know what i absolutely loved about us we go though even not just um bridge street run but i didn't i didn't see this like living in syracuse being around um the university there in lemoyne on the Oswego campus, they had two 
like huge party buses that would go around called the D bus. It was $2 and it would take you anywhere, east or west side for $2. So we never had like any problem with people drinking and driving ever because there were there like even it was cheaper it was cheaper than uber and they had the centros that ran right up main street till 3 a.m yeah so they actually ran a blue centro back and forth on top of yeah absolutely it was the best so it's just like there's there's those and then the trolley i mean the trolley was a dollar and that had a a pole in the back so i mean that one was way more fun but that one only came every (laughs) once in a while like it was like the ice cream truck if you saw that like because it was lit up on the inside like different colors if you saw it on the other side of campus like you had to warn everybody like jersey shore cabs are here trolley's here like everybody get together let's go we got to get on this one (laughs) can't miss it yeah (laughs) we didn't have the trolley you were lucky yeah it was it was fun um a, a lot of a lot of girls decided like, you know, maybe, maybe I can be a dancer. Maybe I don't have to go to college. Thank you, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie introduced the poll. (laughs) Sensation nightclub has a couple polls in it now for, for girls locally in Rochester. I don't know much else where there might be. Okay. First of all, I want to say like the stigma behind that, whatever, Mm -hmm. that shit is so hard pole dancing so I bartend uh I bartend at a gentleman's club in Rochester and on I just tried it out one night because it was a really slow Monday and there was not one soul in there so I was like you know what let's let's do something with our time no I think I I pulled a hamstring I had bruises all over my thighs and I couldn't feel my right wrist and I'm an athletic person. Like, I'm strong. Yeah, wait till we dig into how athletic she is. Right. That's incredible to say that. I couldn't agree more. Like, pole dancing um, classes, I think, are legit. Yeah, like, I would love to take one, but I just hated, I hated the the, the bruises everywhere. So, what causes the bruises? Just, like, hugging your legs on the pole. Like, you have, like, this liquid grip stuff that you can use, and you wipe down the pole with alcohol before you go on it, so it's not a stripper, uh not as like slippery okay but it's like i don't i don't even know but it was just like having to hold on to the pole with your legs i guess my my body is just not used to it or whatever Mm, Yeah, but i just like had crazy bruises even though i didn't feel like it hurt that much it was just crazy bruises on the insides of my thigh and i just and i looked a mess while doing it so i just don't want to do it again (laughs) (laughs) so i saw you in action last night and you're a good dancer Oh, stop. stop. You do. You got a good groove on. Like there, there was some there was some good music going on last night and I'm sitting there and she's at Dragonfly where I was last night and yeah. uh, she had a good little groove. I'm like, this girl's got a little beat to her. Like, Well, I natural. love I love working at the Dragonfly. It's honestly, I'm going to say this, like technicality is the most organized bar I've ever worked at. And everybody is such a family there. Like we all go out, like the girls will go out for girls nights and it's, it was kind of like in college when people would invite me out to things. I was like, oh, you guys think I'm your friend too? Like, I'm included. Thank you. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I felt so important. Like, you guys you guys really want me to come out with you? Because even though I've been there for almost a year, I'm still the newest person on staff with the bartenders. Mm-hmm. And that blows my mind. And that's like, that's when you know you have a, a good place to work for is when, you know, JD's been there for 13, 14 years. And like, you have other people. I think Hunter's been there for four. Everyone's just been there for multiple years. And I'm still the newest person there. And I've been there for a year. 
and, and I believe the that's why it has such a good reputation in on that neighborhood as being true blue bar. Everybody knows what it's about. So yeah. it's in Park Avenue area for those uh, that are in Rochester, Dragonfly. And if you're not, it, it definitely go find it. Um, it is not. There's not a big sign that says Dragonfly. It's a subtle Dragonfly sign. It is pretty cool. You don't even you think it's a house almost when you come yeah. by it. You just kind of go and chill. It is such a cool place. It's, I love going there on Tuesday nights um, when JD there and I've been there a couple Thursday nights. But yeah, uh, and JD uh, a little shout out. Um, lost his pops recently um and that's why i went there last night to, to kind of pay re- my respects to him but uh i love that place he's a good man and uh and, and we definitely had a loss loss amongst our friends so a little shout out jd but now we got to get into your athleticism now we talked about the pole we talked about these bruises that's surprising to me because if i'm not mistaken you have something to do what strongman competitions like yeah, because powerlifting is boring what come on <laughs> what do you got here? i'm a competitive strongman athlete so um it kind of came about with rugby in college. So my friend Sam got me into rugby in college because, you know, she saw me. I was going to like Planet Fitness doing my cardio bunny thing. And she's like, you go to the gym a lot. You should play rugby. And I was just like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's rugby? <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to learn the game? Um, I will say it was it was very difficult. I didn't really start understanding exactly what I was doing in practice until about three or four weeks in. I kind of just like did what they told me. And then we ate a lot of food afterwards because it was just constant and constant running. I was in such good shape in college. Uh, maybe I should run again. You're you're not in bad shape now. Come on. I'm not going to run again. Let's no, be No, no, <laughs> please. You don't want to run. Swim, bike. Swim, bike, <laughs> yoga. Swim, bike. Swim, bike, um, yoga. But uh, so... My f- my first game actually playing was against UB, and I tackled three girls in a row being, like, in the quote-unquote wing, which is more of, like, a faster position. It's like a back position. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tra- tackled three girls in a row, and I got into my own rucks in that position, so they moved me to um, an eight-man position, which was a forward position. So in my mind, being hard on myself and being the perfectionist that I am, I'm like, I have to start lifting heavy weights so I can pick up heavy bitches. Like <laughs> That's my mentality. Uh-huh. And then my friend Ryan, who owns um, Edge Syracuse, a gym in Syracuse, they hosted, they hosted a strongman competition that... Uh, I think it was that fall and he told me to come by and I I walk up and I see my now friend Diane deadlifting a car. I'm what? like, I have to do this. <laughs> oh my God, I have to do this. And I started I started training the next week. I started like doing I started looking up things. I started training heavy. I had my friend Ryan like training me and it's just it just skyrocketed from there. So no, no, how long ago is this? I want to say three or four years ago. Okay. Um. So right after I was doing, I was training for these competitions as well as t- playing rugby and finishing up my senior degree in art school at the same time. So I was a I was a busy body. Yeah, you're crazy. You yeah. what do you talk about me? You were right there. I know. I sleep. I slept. I would put like two chairs together in my studio and sleep in my studio on campus. Thank God we had a fridge because it was just full of my food. I seriously lived off the microwave right next to my studio. What was the most hours of sleep you got averaged during this time period? You had been really pushing yourself. I was really happy if I could get like four or five hours in a night. I was really happy about that. But um, Now, were you consuming any kind of cannabis or anything then to help you through all this then? No, actually, I didn't actually start smoking pot until I moved to Rochester. 
Yes, we are the enablers. <laughs> okay, so so what were you using? For, I mean, were you using anything to keep you up, or were you, is it natural for you? Um, it I mean, was it, it lots and lots of coffee. So I mean, you definitely will always have a friend who has some some aids for that. But I think I only would do that like during finals week, where it was like crunch time. Yeah, when you needed to. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't. It was just lots of coffee and lots of like determination to holy crap, I gotta get this done. So um, I did my I did my first strongman competition May two years ago. And I went in as a novice and I got second place in my class. It was it was a nationals qualifying competition in Syracuse. It was absolutely huge. There were 100 competitors there. It was bananas. Now, I've seen a strongman competition on TV. In these qualifiers, how many actually events are there? So each strongman competition has five events. And it always will end in a loading, like a keg load or a stone loading event. Because they're the messiest. Because you have your tacky and you have... You, will probably have to like change your clothes because of the mess and everything. And it just takes so much longer to set up at this competition. It was just a, a series of stones and those Atlas stones, I, um, they are the most exciting thing ever. Atlas stones are my favorite event. <laughs> Something's wrong with you. I just love them. <laughs> okay. So tell us about your first competition. Do you remember what the five events were? Um, okay. So you don't have, just, I'm just curious. I remember it was a, two like a 250 pound yoke for 50 feet for time um it was an overhead medley so it was three different lifts in a minute you had to do it was like a 55 pound done like the circus dumbbell overhead press and then an axle or no a keg, oh, sorry, that was loud. A keg overhead clean and press. So from the floor, you had to lift a keg up. Um, for my class, it was 60 pounds and it was pretty light because it was novice. So you had to pick it up and load it over your head. And then for the remaining minute, you had to do an axle overhead uh, clean to press, like press as many reps as you could in the remaining minute. Um, that axle, so like for those of you who don't know, an axle is like a barbell, but it's just, it's lighter and it's hollow and it's really thick. It's about two or three inches in diameter. So for females, they're very difficult because I can't just like put my hands around it and clean it. I have to like do a switch grip or I have to maneuver it some way because I can't fully close my hands around the axle because it's, oh, yeah. it's so thick. And that's like, that's what makes it a strongman event is like, how can we take this really heavy thing and lift it up and make it even more awkward? Yeah, well, that's because I hear the word yoke. Like the first event when you said yoke, like you moved a 250-pound yoke 50 feet. Like, So a yoke is just, it's like if, if you had a squat bar and it's like, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to explain. It's like um, an H almost. Mm -hmm, yeah, okay. Um, it's kind of like if you took the squat rack and put it on your back and ran with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I got you. Yeah. And then you there's... Yeah, I get you. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. There's plates loaded on the base of the um, mm -hmm. the vertical whatever. I've seen that. No, yeah. I've seen that event happen. Okay. So, so I get that. Okay. That's a very big strongman event. It's like it's... So, and the overhead stuff you're talking about, does that mean that you have to set it someplace up? No, you have to pick yeah. it up and push it and over they, your head and, and bring it And then they judge back. when... It yes. goes high enough, right? So when you're completely at quote-unquote lockout, um, they'll say down. And then you bring it down to your chest and you press it overhead again. And then they'll say down. And if you if you put it down, like if you start bringing it down before they, they call say. down, 
it doesn't count as a rep. So you just exerted all of that energy because right. it's never easy. Yeah. You exerted all that energy and it doesn't count, which is always the worst. So, you just have to make sure you hear that. Yeah, you, you have to. So in training, like when I'm running the quote-unquote events, like I'll train partial events, like partial movements, or I'll train the whole event itself. Um, but the weeks coming up to a competition, I always make sure that I get cues from my coach. Um, so I'm I'm – like, so I know to listen for them. So it's part of something that we've practiced because that did happen in my first competition. I did, um, start bringing it down after what I thought was a lockout, but they didn't judge it as a lockout. And so I missed, I think like two or three reps on my, my remaining minute because I brought it down too soon. Man. And that could have been the difference between first and second. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's really even like in powerlifting, even though, um, even though it's just like one movement, especially like benching, you have three cues. Um, you have to make sure you practice with those cues because a lot of people will bring the bench up from their chest before the judge calls press. It's like you have to you have to wait for that. And yeah, you gotta wait for your trigger to start. Yeah, right. it's like a starting gun in a race. And sometimes it feels like forever. And you're like, I'm holding like 175 pounds in my hand, and I'm like a hamster. Can you please just let me do this now? Yeah. But they won't. They want you to suffer. <laughs> I love that. I love that little. <laughs> so I, I I think I interrupted you before you listed all you five did. of your events. Did you list them all? Did, so I, I had yoke, overhead medley, stones is always the last one, um, and axle deadlift. Actually, I screamed and squealed, and I still have a video of this on my phone because oh, it's yeah. so adorable. Um, so an <laughs> axle deadlift from, I believe it was 18 inches. So it wasn't from the floor. It was like the bar itself was set at 18 inches. And I squealed and screamed so much because I, uh, I lifted 400 pounds, and I had been trying and trying and trying to get it, and I couldn't get it. And I finally got it at the competition. So um, that and then a keg carrying series so you pick up one keg you run 50 feet with it put it down and then you pick up another keg which was like 50 or 75 pounds heavier and then you run back with it and that was my events and then i slept for like 24 hours afterwards because it was absolutely taxing (laughs) what was the training time to get you really prepared for this first event How, how, how many how many months um so i believe um, I started actually training for this one in November or December and it was May of the following year. So it was a good training cycle. It was like mm-hmm. five to six months. And before that, I was kind of just like winging it cause I had just moved to Rochester. I didn't have, I was, I go to world's gym mm-hmm. on East Ave, which, um, we had the East Ave barbell in the back, but it was, it was a lot smaller than, um, what it's grown to today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of like, I was kind of on my own with training until um, this gentleman, because I was on the commercial side of the World Gym on East, uh, East Ave. Um, this gentleman was wearing a shirt that said East Ave Barbell on it. But what I liked the most was um, there was a like a bent barbell in the back and it had the Rochester flower in the middle of the barbell. I'm like, oh, that's such a cool shirt. I, I want to buy it. And he took that opportunity to introduce me to his... Uh, his coach, John Hughes, who's love him to death. He's in Japan right now doing awesome things in Japan. Oh, yeah. Um, but He's a strong man. He is actually with his wife right now. She teaches over in Japan, and he just, like, took that opportunity. He's like, I'm going to Japan. Like, you're not. No, I'm going. But, um, he taught, he taught pretty much taught me the base of 
everything that I needed to know to be successful is like building my strength up and building my techniques up things that I didn't even know I was doing wrong I was doing wrong and he was really awesome by not making me like feel bad that I was doing them wrong before but teaching me like you are gonna you're gonna be great yeah like you, like once you learn how to do it yeah you're like, be so much better so much better and even though like I had to scale the weight back from what I was doing before because I it was a bummer. I was like, oh, I was just squatting 225. But I also looked like a seal when I was squatting That's 225. Right. Yeah, like oh, like yeah. doing whatever, doing it incorrectly, and I'm going to hurt myself okay. squatting that much. Now now I can squat about that, but with like perfect form and sets of like 5 to 10, no problem. Mm -hmm. So um, he really helped me with that. But right now my coach is Chris Harris, and he's a little Boston spitfire. He uh -huh. moved here with his wife from Boston about a year ago, and he's been in a multiple strongman national events. And so I was like, "You need, you need to help me get there." Like that's that would be my goal is to compete nationally. Um, I would have I would have made it with this last competition, but unfortunately, I got hurt at the competition. So, oh, bummer. You know, so, how many competitions have you actually done? This uh, this one was my fourth competition. So this was your fourth, and all as an amateur, all, all four times. No, so okay. I was only um, I was only novice the first time, oh, and novice, since I'm I sorry. placed in novice, the rules are you can't uh, you can't compete again in novice if you place. How in many novice. places are considered place? Three, three, three. Oh, so, so you have, gotta be once you're top three novice, basically that's your goal to yeah, get to like, the pro status. Like you you did or, an okay job. It's time to go to the open weight class. Like, and then and then it's just oh, considered open weight class yes. next. Yep. So I compete at um, one sixty five. I'd like to say that I could compete at one forty eight, but that just takes a lot of like dieting and cutting, and I don't want to do that because the more you eat, the more you can lift. And I love pizza and beer. I love pizza too. Yeah. So yeah. pizza's pizza's great. I work at Dragonfly. Of course, I love pizza. Yeah, we have to. No. <laughs> well, pizza's a staple. That's my cheat. Right. That's my cheat right. food by so far. So I have to actually. I have to bring my own cheese because I don't. I uh, I don't do the dairy thing. Mm -hmm. So I'll just bring in my own cheese and I'll play like, who wants to play feed the vegan? And they'll make me my own little personal pizza. It's so oh, great. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> How cool. Um, I love it. There's so, there's so good people there. That's probably nothing for them. I'm like, yeah, that's all yeah, good. They're awesome. They're like, sometimes they'll come down and even ask me like, oh, are you hungry? Do you want to eat something? I'm like, you're an angel sent from the heavens and I don't deserve you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> when they look out like that. Yeah, yeah. Their sauce is very good in their pizza. Yes. I'm a particular about sauce. Yeah. So I just, I, so it's, I don't know. I just, I, I love the pizza there. I don't, I don't get to eat pizza often, but I always like save it for when I'm like going into work. I'll go into work a little bit early so I can eat my pizza and sit, sit down. It's usually on Sundays because I normally will work the happy hour. So when I go in, we're opening, but I like going in on Sunday. The Sunday crowd is pretty dope. I'll just hang out with them for a little while before I have to start work at five. Nice. So, so I love the fact that you pick a weight class that makes it more, uh, so you don't have to grind every day. I mean, right. Really, this is, it's not a job. You're not making money. You're, you know what I mean? So you got to make it so it's a lifestyle, fits into your lifestyle and accomplishments at once. I love the fact that you're not trying to get to 148 and be like, because it's not living, right? It's not being who you are every right. day. Like I'm on, I'm on a meal template right now. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult, but it's, it's, it's like getting used to eating six times a day. And I'm doing this not to like lose weight like yes I, I'll, I'm gonna lose like a couple pounds just because I'm eating more regularly and um, I'm eating like whole foods and good foods right now but it's it's more of a program based to 
um, complement your training and to make you more powerful and more successful in the gym. And I feel like before, since like everything's so busy um, with going up to the competition, you know, I'm moving, I have things going on in my future that I'm having to take care of. Um, I was eating like huge meals, but like once a day. And that wasn't, it wasn't helping my training at all. I, I didn't have the constant energy that I, that I needed to be able to successfully go through, um, and you know, deadlift over 300 pounds, like this amount of time. Um, so now I'm on this and it, it's frustrating because math is hard to get all my macros, but it's working. It's, I feel energized through my workouts and throughout the whole day. So are you doing that yourself or someone helping you build those? So um, my boyfriend actually bought me the template. It's called Renaissance Periodization and because um, they have a vegan template. And even though for the vegans you have to do much more math, it's like they give you, okay, so when you train at this time today, this is what you're going to eat at this time, this time, this time, and this time. So they tell you the amount of macronutrients you have to eat at every meal during times of the day based on when you trained and how hard you trained to get like the optimal amount of recovery or optimal oh, amount of energy. Look at this. I yeah. It's it's pretty cool. It's definitely it's definitely dedication because I mean the cut period, I'm on my first week of the quote unquote cut period and it's it's twelve weeks long. And I mean in twelve weeks maybe I'll lose like eight to nine pounds, but it'll all be body fat and I will have maintained or even gained some strength through this. That's right. You're, so muscle weighs more than fat. Yes. Most people don't know that. Um, so that means you're, you're trimming off a good, I mean, you're going to do well and you're going to be stronger and, and your muscle will grow in right. that same process. Right. So I've just been thinking, um, cause I always try to sign up for a competition to keep me motivated in the gym. Like I'm training for something like I can't miss today. I can't miss today or this competition is going to go crappy or something like I can't absolutely the last like two months of my training people would ask me out ask me to do this that and the third and I'm like I, I can't I gotta train tonight I'm sorry guys like I I'm ditching out or I can't I go out drinking I gotta train tomorrow at this time and if I drink it's I'm not gonna have the energy for it hold you I'm 27 27 I guarantee your friends think you're nuts they do yeah they're like that's stupid especially because I'm a bartender. So all of my friends are in the industry or frequent bars. So it's, it's, it's a little difficult, especially like when you're having fun at a bar and you, you want to take shots or whatever. Sometimes I, I set up a safety bottle, like a bottle just like full of water and like, yeah, it's, it's well vodka. Cause nobody's going to be like, yeah, give me a shot of that too. When I'm pouring a shot of well vodka, like not, and if they do, they need to get out because that person's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do not drink well anything anywhere. No, it's just, you're just asking for the worst hangover ever. Amen. I love this. So, uh, Bob, before we go on to the next subject, because I want to talk about your travel and, and your future plans. But before that, Bob, I have been neglecting Bob. I've been asking him to do, we do a feature. We have been trying to add a feature called Fact Fiction, or the, the jury is still out. So I, I've given Bob now the our time here to, to create one for us around the strongman. So I'm going to let him chime in now with our Fact Fiction. So basically what he's going to state something, and we're going to say our opinions on it, and then he's going to state the research that he found on it, and we'll decide if it's a fact, a fiction, or the jury is still out okay that makes sense all right so i don't know if this is this is going to be too <laughs> wow wow <laughs> too cut and dry 
but fact fiction or jury still out. Powerlifting developed in the 60s and 70s as a sport, as a modern sport, by the U.S. and, and Germany simultaneously. What do we think about that? Are you saying that that's, you're asking me if that's the truth? That is that the truth? Powerlifting. No, I do not believe that is the truth. I believe it is way far deep rooted than that. But as a modern sport, do you do you feel that <sighs> as a modern sport? No, well, I don't think that's the truth. I, are I, you I, saying I, that it was like it officially coined as a sport during the sixties and seventies? You said sixties. Yeah, 70s. we can go with that. Okay, I don't know. I feel like okay. So I work Tuesdays at Dragonfly as trivia. I feel like that's too easy because when I think about back then, sorry, when that's I think okay. about that, then I'm thinking like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and like we all know, like he's from Austria, right? Austria, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the you said U.S. and Germany. That's too easy. So I'm gonna say no. You're gonna say no. Yeah, Brian, you you're gonna say I what? I said no. I think it's I think it's thousands of years ago myself. Hundreds and thousands. Yeah, like of thousands of years. years ago. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm Scottish, so um, we have the Scottish Field Days, and a lot of those events in the Scottish Field Days are adapted to like modern strongman competition, like um, like the caper toss. I want to do it so bad. <laughs> oh my gosh! Define that because I know what that is. But so it's literally just like a telephone pole. You you hold that at the base and you run with it, and you have to you have to uh, throw it with enough force that it like flips over. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can't just like oh tossed it. You have to like it has to flip over. So um, that and like the Atlas stones, like they would like picking deadlifting natural stones. I forgot the name of it, but there's an actual like really heavy stone and there's like only one or two women who have ever lifted it in the world. And I'm just like, I gotta get there. Like someday that'll be me in a kilt with the Baird clan plaid on it. I could totally see you in a kilt throwing that thing. So you're, I going, see you in the so you're going for an origination of uh, the sport that's where her and I well, are going with it. Yeah, right. Like yeah. The, that's where we're going Ireland? with it. Yeah, is like that what it, you're thinking? Like that it has deeper roots than mm -hmm. just in the well, U.S. Well, definitely has deeper deeper roots. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But the deeper roots are actually down into ancient Greece. Ooh. Yeah. So we're talking the original Olympic sports had a form of lifting, not so much powerlifting, but the idea of the modern powerlifting originated in the 50s and 60s by the U.S. and Britain, not Germany. I threw that out there just to, just, uh, just to try give to you a little curveball. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. I got you. <laughs> I thought, hey, so you know, powerlifting uh, formation 1971, Sports Federation. There we go. In Luxembourg. So yeah, you're, you're right on it, Bob. See, I love it. Sorry, I'm taking his thunder. Sorry, Bob. That's okay. No, no, no. It's your show. No, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're such an ass. <laughs> Big bad jerk. Go ahead. What else did you find out from this, Bob? I found out uh, some of the originations were, like I said, in Greece, and they basically idolized the concept of weightlifting, where they created a character. His name was Milo, um, and this character allegedly uh, was walking into town one day, he came across a calf, and instead of going around the calf, he decided to lift the calf. And every day he would lift this calf and bring this calf into town until the calf became bigger and bigger and bigger. And this became a fictional character which prompted the ancient Greeks to continue on with this sport. And I found that kind of interesting. Oh, I think that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So now 
I, 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 th- I, I had a feeling Greece was involved because if you yeah. think about, especially artistry, and you think about um, the art and everything, and you think about that picture with the Michelangelo picture with the human body, you know, where they yeah. show the different poses and everything, like there has to be some kind of lifting involved with the, the sinuous, sinuousness of their muscles and just how strong they are. And right. obviously life was harder back then, so they were naturally stronger. The Greeks loved the human body. I mean, look at all, this, the, like you said, the artwork, the, the gods, they're all beautiful species yeah and, and their bodies are all chiseled and mm-hmm. perfectly right. manicured yeah I'm uh, i love it so so um what did you learn anything else interesting while you're looking at looking up some power power lift power man sure in the in, in the 20 minutes that uh, i downloaded all this stuff um <laughs> <laughs> no sarcasm at all here tonight folks <laughs> no, I, I i thought that was a, a good start that it's was awesome no it's yeah. great i just wasn't sure if there's anything else you wanted to add before i jumped no? onto her no, uh, i'm still reading about the the belt the belt has a little history too, but I'm still getting into that. All right, when you when you pop up with it, when you have it. So, okay. do you um, cannabis usage? We we touched on it briefly. Yeah. Everybody knows that my my usage. I've admitted it. So so how do you uh, are you a partaker of the cannabis plant? And if you are, how do you um, tie it into your training? Okay, so I actually love cannabis while I'm training because yay, where's the claps? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I feel the most important thing is that I get a good night's sleep and that I get completely rested every single day. Even if it's like on a rest day and you're not lifting the next day, you just have to make sure that you're resting and recovering because that's how you're going to build your muscles. That's how you're going to get stronger. So I keep my, I have a little pen and I keep my oil right next to my bed and I just take a few hits before I go to bed and I'm out done done for the night because I usually will wake up a few times during the night and I was um, talking to my friend about that and just like I don't I use melatonin but I don't I kind of feel foggy if I take too much or I don't know mm-hmm. if I know that's I, a lot of people would say about melatonin it's hard to find the exact right. science of it yeah so um I just she recommended that I just start smoking and I'm like okay well I mean I'm an adult now so I can't be I can't be afraid that mom's gonna walk in and yell at me so I just I started doing that my even before my first strongman competition and I absolutely loved it also it's really good like if you want to go out with your friends it's a it's like if you want to partake in quote like partying or whatever I don't have to drink because drinking weighs you down too um I even if I have like a couple drinks I know the next morning I'm super super sluggish or whatever so I'll just go out and I'll take a few hits when I'm out with my friends and I'll be like no I don't have to drink I've already had a few hits I'm good but I'm still out and I'm socializing and I don't feel left out because I'm just sitting there sober and bitter at the bar so um I love it for that reason too that's right because uh, and and the other thing I find and I'll be curious if you find this is I've noticed recently that being the most sober in a room usually because I only drink one or two drinks a night uh, I see the the everybody else changing as they drink yes. more drinks and actually as my entertainment value while I'm smoking because I can be relaxed and I'm, I'm very focused when I'm smoked mm-hmm. so I just I'm more entertained when I'm out like yeah it's still <laughs> it's funny like, to watch three oh there's three four shots falling this is apart <laughs> Like they turn into children. <laughs> I will say, like we've we've all been there. No, I, I me too. I'm not saying right. I'm not one of those people. You know, I, I, a lot. Le- it'll happen a lot less to me now than it right. has in the past. But to see it and to enjoy it from a, I love people watching. Yeah, it's the best. 
<laughs> it's the best on Park Ave, like just during like the changing of season, because you sit out there and like you, some people are really ballsy and they're like, yeah, it's 55. I'm going to wear shorts and a tank top today. And then there's also uh, people walking down with parkas still because they're probably not from Rochester or they're just holding on to the cold weather. And it's just like such, such diversity in their clothing. And I just, I, I don't judge people. I just, I'm more entertained by it. But then also on Park Ave, there's also lots and lots of dogs. It's dog central. Dog, love dogs. Yeah, you're a big dog lover. I love dogs. Our bar is dog friendly and I lose my mind every time there's a dog. I'm like, I, if there's a dog and I'm bartending, I'm like, sorry, you're going to have to wait for your blue light. Like, there's a dog here. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't realize you guys were uh, a dog friendly bar because I have rescued a dog recently. Yeah. But he's not necessarily good with other dogs. Often. But I mean, I've never seen another dog at Dragonfly, so now I know on a Tuesday night late, I might pop in there and show Burning to you guys real quick and uh, yeah, get him in and out of there. You'll love, I got a pit husky mix that will absolutely kiss you up and down the whole time you're with him, Mike. Oh, my God, I'll hold him while I'm bartending. Oh, you couldn't. He's too big. Oh, no. Oh, what? he can stand up and stay next to you and put his paws on the bar and, and lick everybody down the bar. He'll do that. So my rescue dog, everybody, uh, other dogs should be scared of him because something happened with this dog where he, he has this aggressiveness towards other dogs. So it's something we're going to have to work, him and I are going to have to train out of him or but do. But as far as people goes, if someone burglarizes my house, he will be licking their hands as they come up the stairs to attack me. See, I already know it. That's like, just not what you want, though. <laughs> yeah, I can't change. I don't can't I don't change. I'd rather. That. No, I'm just no. I don't, I don't. It doesn't matter. My house is safe. Right. But so <laughs> as far as like bringing him to the bar or whatever, I would suggest you go out and you get. Um, there's like leashes you can buy that say like don't do not approach or something like that, like mm -hmm. a harness or a leash that's red, um, just so like other dog owners know that your dog is not dog friendly. Mm -hmm. um, I. I started like reading things online, like people getting really upset because I, I love, I love dogs. I don't own dogs because I'm not in a point in my life where I can like commit to giving the attention to a dog that I need to. So I have mm -hmm. two very independent cats. Um, but I will now ask people before going up and petting their dog, like, Hey, can I pet your dog? Because a lot of people don't ask and they'll just like run up to somebody's dog and try to pet them. Like I did that. I was walking to work once cause I live right around the corner. I was walking to work and my neighbor has this, Oh my God, he's so cute. He's just like the biggest head English bulldog, little grunty little guy ever. I love him so much, but I asked her like, Hey, can I pet your dog? So I pet him and he loves me. And the other day I was driving out of my driveway and he saw me and he kept pulling on the leash like he would not he let her go yeah. until I had I had to get out of my car pet go pet him and then go back in my car and drive away yeah like, dogs love once they meet yeah. a friend they want to make a, they want to see you every time they see you they want to hug you yeah, yeah I awesome. don't even I don't even know his name but I love him <laughs> so funny story about people approaching dogs yes within a hundred yard area I brought my dog down to the St. Patrick's Day Parade and this was probably a couple weeks after I got him, right? So I'm trying to figure out acclimating him to people. Was it everything. this year? Yeah, this year. Okay, yeah, cool. so March of this year, yep. So I go down by Main Street because um, I know it's an easy egress for me to get him out if he starts acting crazy. So he's great, he's great. He's sitting there, chill as can be. All of a sudden, he sees another dog. He starts acting like a jerk. Uh, Slips uh, out of his collar. I have him in a harness, so we're fine. He's okay, not, I got a double system on him, but he thinks he's free. 
all of a sudden he's like, oh crap, you still got me. Mm-hmm. So now I walk him over from, you know, um, Plymouth and Main Street come together, right? And then there's that little Chinese restaurant right there, like a small shack. Yeah, yeah. So I go next to the shack. There's a little side street behind the main buildings from Main Street there. There's like a bar in the corner. So I go behind next to that Chinese shack to kind of settle him down. So there's this little Chinese boy outside the back of the Chinese restaurant. He sees that my dog is really wound up and I'm being not aggressive, but I'm, I'm being firm with him to try and relax him again because mm-hmm. he wants to go find this other dog still. Like he's turning around in my arms trying to see where this other dog is still like that. He's that aggressive about right. it. So I'm just trying to steer him like, Bernie, it's all good. This Chinese kid saw, a young kid, maybe eight, nine years old, he saw that he wasn't sure about this kid. So his three sisters or, or cousins or whatever come out of the restaurant. They don't see any of the what led to me coming up to stand there to start relaxing him. The three girls just come over and start petting Bernie right away. Oh, no. Like, no. It was like the little boy is like, no, like trying to stop <laughs> no. them. Like, and I'm, and I'm all about the little boy saying that because if I was the father or anything in that, I don't know what this dog is about because right. he this dog, dude, my Bernie basically laid on the ground and let these four Chinese kids. This is minutes after he spazzed out on another dog. He is now laying on the ground with four Chinese kids, just petting him all up and down. Like it was the best thing ever. So like, now, now you found you found the the trick to hack the system. Just he's a lover. Yeah. Just bring him to a Chinese restaurant so every time he's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but but I hear these kids come out the door, and if he was an aggressive dog, I would have felt horrible. That right, you know what and I mean? I mean, in that <sighs> moment, your heart probably sank. You're like, I don't know what he's gonna do because even though he's a great dog to people, like you, you not in that instant. Yeah, you adopted him. You didn't have him his whole life. You don't know every little bit and piece of like how he's gonna react. To everything totally, he yet. could be still in that prey drive with these kids coming right? out and want to attack them now. You don't know how animals. Oh, but yeah, it turned out to be great. Like that's awesome. It was a nice. Whew, Moment, I can't wait know? to meet him. Yeah, you'll get to meet Bernie. He's, uh, I, I love him to death. Uh, I love him, I think, because he's going to challenge my patience level. Okay. Um, and he's going to make me be on my game every second I'm with him. So I think that's why it was meant for him to come to me. Like, it's something I need at this moment to help. I'm already a disciplined guy, but he's really making me focus, like, every second. Like, I can't take him outside on any kind of leash. He can get away with me now. Right, right, I have a lock tight, like, everything. Now I have a system where he can't get out no matter what. Man, power to you because I, that's, that's the exact opposite of what I want out of a pet. Like, I have... My, my tiny cats, they're six pounds each and they just kind of lay around and I just, I put food and water out for them and then they lay on me when I go to bed and that's it. Like my boyfriend wants to get a dog when I move out to him and I just like sit there staring at him. Like you, you work very long hours, so I'm going to have to take care of the dog and it's your, it's your deployable station. So you're going to be gone for like months out of the time. Who's going <laughs> to? Yes, Who's gonna take care of the dog yeah. then too? And I mean, so he's smart. He is a very smart man. So he knows if I could ever have a dog, I would have a French bulldog. So last week he FaceTimes me and he says that there's a French bulldog cafe like right outside of the base where he's at right now. And he's like, one of the French bulldogs is pregnant and they're gonna adopt out the puppies. And I literally started crying. <laughs> Like you shut your mouth right now. Kill Don't you. stop it. <laughs> <laughs> like now I'm excited, but it's like I've I've gotten like the excitement. I'm gonna cry over it stage out a little bit, but mm. I have to be more realistic and think, you know, if I'm gonna have a tiny apartment with two people, two cats and a dog, like is that even is that even feasible, especially if it's just me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I know people do it all the time, but I'm just no, but you got to remember, you're going to a new area. You're going to have to get a job probably for yourself, possibly. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's other things you have to... You, you, 
being a dog owner, and someone put this in a good perspective for me, you know, there's no bad dogs. There's only bad dog owners. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so you, you have to think about what position are you putting that dog into by bringing him into your life too. Right. right? I'm sure so, I'm going to spoil the dog. Well, yeah, you, I have a feeling you'll be great, but it just may make you sacrifice more than you want to while you're there yeah. at first. Right. Cause I you got to socialize when you get there right away to start meeting people to have a network. Otherwise it's you and your two dog, your dog and two cats. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be like college all over. <laughs> Is it like, I mean, cause you got to factor that cause you're going to be yeah. more. So, so, so let's talk about your future plans now. So you're dating, you must be dating someone in the military then. Is that, yes, that what's so, up? Um, I'm dating somebody in the air force right now. He's stationed in South Korea and I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm, I leave in. What day is it? The third. I leave in two weeks. Oh, exciting. I leave in two weeks to go visit him again. I, it'll be three. In South Korea? Yeah. It'll be three months by the time I get there. I'm so excited to see him. Um, I actually met while he was stationed overseas. I met him online and I uh, I met him at a very like pivotal point in my life. So I'm like, I just, it was, it was the worst moment in my life, but he just like helped me through it so much. So I just like, I, I owed this a try and now I just I couldn't imagine going through these phases I'm going through like without him like I'm so I'm I'm so excited Holy for this, this that is incredible right so um so he was in the military since you met him yeah absolutely so I mean I <laughs> wow. since I was going through a pivotal point I was also a little uh, rebellious and I I went to South Korea to meet him like, I had a feeling you were going to say that. I mean, I went, I it wasn't to, like he came to Rochester and met you at a corner bar one night. No, I went to South Korea to meet this guy. Didn't your family want to like... Oh my God, my mom lost her mind. Yeah. She absolutely lost her mind. I had to block her on everything because she was going... Because she, she was scared, but she was taking it out and like on in anger yeah yeah I of mean, course instead of, yeah i yeah. get it i get so, it i mean i, I, mean, I would have been nervous too if my daughter was gonna say i'm going to south korea all of a sudden out of nowhere to meet some guy right i mean south korea would scare me let alone some guy right well i mean uh, obviously. i obviously i knew it wasn't a catfish thing because we facetime every single day so um i talked to him face to face for at least at least an hour every single day um but I was trying to like calm her down and I was looking up statistics for like crime rate or whatever, but Seoul, South Korea being that big city that it is, is quite literally seven, uh, has a seven times less aggressive than the city of Rochester, New York for crime rates. So their, their crime rate is like a seven, seven percent or something like that. When in Rochester it's like 30, it's like in the high thirties. So it is actually safer to be in South Korea, and there's a reason for that. There are no guns allowed in South Korea. So when they had the Olympics there, the biathlon team actually had to lock up their guns in a warehouse and have them inventory. So every country's biathlon team, those guns never left that biathlon course. Mm -hmm. Most people didn't know that. Right, uh, so and the only guns are in that country are obtained by the military. I, I loved it. I absolutely love South Korea. First of all, food's great. Korean barbecue is great. Kimchi. Oh, my God. Uh, noodles out the wazoo. Um, but what I really appreciate about it is it's like New York City, but it's completely organized and clean. And clean. Like <laughs> like, spotless, Like yeah. they have people who clean like the subway systems and the streets like these are like government jobs like you see people cleaning the subway system and it's like much more effective and even though it was in a completely different language it was so much easier to navigate their subway systems than it was in new york city 
That is the Asian culture is amazing. Yeah, I they absolutely re, love they it. They put money where it matters a lot of times with people's lifestyles. Right. So, so they'll put money into a, a, a lot, knowing full well what you need to do for your whole life. But it's just so interesting. I, I don't like the fact they don't like ink. And they're kind of against the cannabis plant, even though opium is a big thing over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why the, right. the, the, the why cannabis is bad and opium is good there. But I mean, so tell me more about South Korea, like what you learned at being over there culturally. Was there anything that really surprised you? Um, so I like to do makeup. So uh, along with like, you know, being a rugged strong man competitor i really like to get girls. no your eyes are awesome by the way she's uh her the way she's got her mascara on her face it's awesome she's got like this asian little flair to it she looks awesome yeah i love it so very very Um, cute but they wear very uh minimal makeup over there and they're very about like the women over there are very about being as pale as they can be because i feel um just like during like the renaissance time where it was it was more beautiful to be pale and a little bit heavier set because it showed that you had money that you know you didn't have to be outside working and that you had money to feed yourself so there it's like that being more pale is like people go through they even even starting off pale they still go and they bleach their skin even more and they all just wear really light eyeshadow and they wear like either bright red or bright pink lipstick and that's it so how did they receive your tattoos oh my gosh they just stared at me the whole time (laughs) Because I'm I'm blonde, I'm like so I'm I'm 165 pounds. I'm I'm a solid I'm a solid human being. So I'm I'm quite literally 11 pounds heavier than the average male in South Korea. So I'm bigger. I'm bright blonde, and I'm tan and tattoos with and all strong, the, yeah, and, like, and muscular. I mean, we you're, went you're, out on a yeah. Friday night. I've got like my heavy like go go red eyeshadow on with some dark lipsticks, like about to slay the whole town of Itaewon, and everyone's just staring at me, and I'm just enjoying it. I'm like whatever, I feel important. Hell Stare, yeah. <laughs> check it out. Right. So they're very much about um, not not they're very much about beauty over there, but it's more so like they're they worry about like the quality of their skin. Like they go through like a nine step skincare regimen in the morning and at night. And me, I'm lucky if I wash my face in the morning, but I will pile more foundation on to cover up the hangover from the night before. <laughs> I dated a, uh, a woman, that, her family is from Hong Kong, I believe mm-hmm. that area. And what she taught me was that over in Asia, if you're tanned, you're looked at as a blue collar worker, someone who's out in the sun all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's a big thing that you mentioned on. It's and a class thing. Sort of how we review rednecks. It's a class thing. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a class thing. So if you're tanned, you're, you're doing something where you can't avoid having the sun. Right. Me, on the other hand, I pay for that. Yeah. Yeah. We pay for it here in the U.S. <laughs> and there they, they yeah. Especially in Rochester because we, we get stunned maybe like three weeks out of the whole year. <laughs> exactly. And, and and I was telling her a story. Um, a lot of times the, the woman I was dating, uh, Ray, she wore these white sleeves when we would be outside in the summertime. So we'd be hiking and she'd put white sleeves on her arms. Now she's in the U.S. Nobody's judging her. She goes to see her family once a year, but right. she still has that mentality that right. and she I mean, covers herself all the time. It's very damaging, but it's just like, it, it, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather just enjoy the hike than worry about, oh, no, am I going to get skin cancer from this hike? No, no, yeah, we can't, yeah. I've been there. I had skin cancer. It was, it was not a fun experience. No, I'm so sorry now I'm that. very par- paranoid, but I don't want to be 
not outside. Right. Absolutely. Know? So, I mean, I am really bad. I go tanning sometimes and I shouldn't. But um, if you just like wear sunblock. Right. Yeah. Which they did not do when I was younger. Really? Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 52 and they didn't really promote skun, uh, skun, yeah. skunks. <laughs> they they skunks. did not promote s- sunscreen like they do now. Yeah. Which... I'm so glad they do because it, it's every time, every time we went out oh, yeah. for to the beach, when uh, we had my house growing up, we had an above ground pool, and uh, every time we went outside to go swimming or go out and play, my my mom had that little copper tone, the spray bottle. Yeah, of course, just, she had the little yeah. brown bottles. I think we so, had it back in the day. Yeah, yeah so I mean, same thing. I'm all about sunblock, especially like with my arm. I I have a a whole sleeve tattooed. Like if I'm out in the sun, like at the beach, or even when I go tanning, <laughs> I'll take my pant leg and I'll just like put it over my arm and wrap the other pant leg around it, so my arm is completely covered because I don't want to ruin my tattoos. Right. Yeah. The yeah. sun will damage your yeah. tattoos, won't it? Yep. It'll yeah. change the color of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, you mentioned something about Japan. Is is it? Are you thinking about moving to Japan next? Is that what you're thinking about? So uh, my boyfriend and I, his next station is Okinawa, Japan, which is an island south of Japan, which I did not know. Because when he first talked to me about possibly moving to Japan, I'm like, ugh, I'm going to be in a city. I'm not going to know anybody, whatever. Like, sushi's great. But (laughs) um, then I looked up that it was, like, actually a tropical island. And it's kind of an Americanized island because we've got all four branches of the military on that island. Um... So I'm, I'm really excited to go. Um, I don't think I'll ever have an opportunity like this again. So I'm doing whatever I can to prepare for that right now. Um, but we were actually just talking about it last night and I have to get a job on one of the bases, just like stocking shelves or something for 10 hours a week. And, um, then I can do like a bartending job under the table off base. And since it is like, it's like a hub for vacations for uh, Korea and China too, because it's like centralized between Japan, Korea, and China. So there is a lot of traffic there. There are a lot of tourists. Um, but I'm I'm absolutely excited. The Air Force pays rent there, and I kind of feel I kind of feel guilty a little bit, like that my rent's gonna be paid for when I'm like on this travel bill island. Uh, but um, nah, that's enjoy like, the life. Uh, I'm it, trying. I mean, it's you only Come get on. once. I am only gonna, gonna get this you. chance once, and plus, I won't have to freaking travel across the world to see my boyfriend. I'll be able to see him when he comes home from work. Now it is his deployable station, so he still will be gone for a few months at a time. Mm-hmm. But seeing him for a couple months and then not seeing him for like a couple months is going to be better than not seeing him for a couple months. And I'll I'll see him for like five days when I go out to Korea. Yeah, no, it's definitely better. So, I love it. Um, so anything, are you concerned about going off base? Uh, so my son, Lyle was, was stationed there for a while yes, and I know so, how it is with, with, uh, military personnel off base. Are you concerned about that at all? Um, I'm not concerned so much for me. I'm more concerned for him. Um, thankfully when he's not in uniform, he does not look like he's in the military. He just looks like a beefy meathead guy and he's my little meatball and I love him. <laughs> but, um, he, and he's all tatted up too. Yeah, he's picture. covered. He's covered and smothered. Like his, he has one whole arm that's just completely blacked out. So like that's another concern that we have is when we go to look for apartments in June, um, we're gonna have to be covered head to toe because I have a feeling that with their no tattoo, like there will be local businesses that will have signs outside that say no tattoos allowed because in Japan they do associate um, tattoos with the Yakuza, unfortunately, even if you are a tourist, like an American or whatever. So, yeah. Cultural I have a, differences, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in June, 
in a, on a tropical island. It's going to be 90 degrees. I'm going to be apartment shopping in long sleeves, pants, and boots because I have the tops of my feet tattooed as well. It's going to be so awesome. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. But, um, I mean, other than that, like, I'll be able to go uh, to the gym on base. I'm hoping... Um, I'm hoping just like crossing my fingers so hard that I can get a job on base. Cause that's when he's gone, I'm going to need a base job to be able to go on to base to use the base gym. Um, and I'm, it sounds weird, but I'm kind of hoping I get a job like on the Marine base on the Island. Yeah, why they wouldn't do, you? they have, they have strongman implements there. Yeah. And actually, yeah, um, I was going to, that's where I ask you next is, right. have you thought about how you're going to be able to train for the strongman while you're there? So I think I'm going to take uh, a back step with the strongman, unless I can figure out something very solid in the next few months before I go. Um, and just like I was thinking about going into powerlifting again, even though I, it's kind of boring to me or whatever, but it'll be better than not doing anything at all. Like Dan is, uh, he's, he's a powerlifter, so he's actually so good. He's so strong. Um, but he wants to help me and he wants to train me while I'm there, but I'm a little apprehensive to that because I'm going to be living with him. I might have a job on base and I don't want him to be training me too because like I mentioned earlier, I'm an emotional train wreck and I don't I don't respond to the tough love crap. So when I'm having a rough day and he's going to he's the kind of person who's just like just do it, like just suck it up and do it. I'll look him straight in the face and I'll walk out of the gym. I won't talk to him for the rest of the night. Like, don't you sass me. Yeah. I'll teach you. Hello. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the woman here. <laughs> hear me roar. So, right. No, so. So, no, there has to be. Uh, listen, for couples to be successful, you have to figure out what your triggers are. And some couples could do every single thing together and, and avoid those triggers. But you have to figure out what's good for you as a couple. That's it, right? right? I'm very, everybody's different. very independent. Like, I live alone now. I wear two jobs. I'm looking to pick up a third. And I pay all my own bills. And... <sighs> Even the thought of like moving, having to possibly not even have a job at first when I moved to Japan, that gives me so much angst. Like I'm so anxious about that, but um, he's understanding of that. He knows that I'm going to want to do my own thing. So he's actually really supportive about me getting back into art. He wants me to bring all of my art supplies with me and possibly set up a studio and maybe make an Etsy account and do I used to do portraits during my breaks in schools to pay for my uh, supplies. So he wants me to start doing portraits again. And he said, military wives will eat that up. He's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's great. Um, my daughter's a military wife. They're all very supportive of each other. Many of them have side hustles going on. My daughter's a teacher, mm-hmm. but a lot of the girls have side hustles. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely going to reconnect with that, especially because I found out a friend of mine who lives here in Rochester, her brother tattoos, um, in the same city that we'll be moving to on the Island. So thankfully I'll have that for like a social outlet and, um, maybe I'll just get covered in tattoos even more and be a heathen while I'm there, <laughs> but I'll be, I'll be able to hang out with people who appreciate art as well. Cause it's, it's, that's an important part is hanging out with people who appreciate the same passions that you do. And that's difficult on a military base to find creativity sometimes. Right. That's sometimes what could be lagging. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'll be stocking shelves at CVS. I won't really be having that much of a, an artistic flow. Well, Sometimes you got to get, if you have that artistic flow for 15 hours a day at your house, sometimes that yeah. little getaway is good though too, yes, right? Like absolutely. I could be mindless and all of a sudden an idea pops in your head while you're stocking that shelf. Like, oh, I could have done that on that painting. Right? Yeah. Like. That's a good, that's, I like that outlook. That's a really good outlook. 
I find, because Bob and I are both creative people uh, many different ways. Uh, Bob, you can answer yourself, but I know pulling myself away from something sometimes and doing something wholly different and then going back to it, a lot of times is what that trigger you need. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I'm glad you bring your art because I was going to ask you if you were. So I'm glad you jumped ahead and said you are because to me, that's a perfect, when you go out there, that's I'm going to have so much set. time. Yeah, you yeah. actually could like. I'm so, I'm so ready because right now I work two, three jobs just so I can pay my bills and, you know, still be able to go out and have dinner with my girlfriends every once in a while. And, you know, hey, I like getting makeup and my hair done. So. Well, yeah. And then like, and last, last night when I met you, we had a great night. We were, there was yeah, four just, of us there and we, I mean, we were talking some in-depth conversations last night for just being around a bar last night. Like we, yeah. we had a really good time last night and you're at Dragonfly and, and it was just that's when I knew this girl had to be on my podcast before she moved, before she left. One thing I want to ask you before I end this, what advice would you give women going into either powerlifting or strongman competitions? Cause I guarantee not many women would think about doing what you do. Okay. So, um, one thing that I'm still struggling with now is that even though there's such a crazy social media influence with women in strength sports now, like I look up to, crazy um athletes and actually dan competing at an elite level like he is friends with some of these athletes um you are always going to see the best on social media you are not going to see them like when they started unless they do like a throwback thursday you're not gonna see the bad days when you know they're so frustrated with everything going on in their life or everything going on with the gym being disappointed in themselves that you know they have to take a step back and like cry or let it out or something you're always going to see the best you cannot compare yourself to that because I used to all the time I'm not as good as this girl I'm never going to be as good as this girl I'm trying so hard and I'm not as good as her why am I not gaining strength what am I doing wrong this that and third you have to trust the process that you're in and you have to figure out what works best for you and it is it's a lot of it is going to suck like I have bad days a lot um, but I, it also makes up for, you know, when I go to a competition and holy crap, I did that thing that I've been training to do and I haven't ever been able to do it in the gym. But, you know, on comp day, I did it easily and I took the class. So you have to you have to focus on your journey and your journey only. And um, women in strength source, especially that's going to fluctuate so much because of our body types of us not having testosterone, you know, of our hormones fluctuating. Like if it's shark week, like give yourself a break. Like you aren't going to get your PR on shark week. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to happen. You're just made differently. Yeah. So it, it's, so it's cause <laughs> I talked to Dan and he's like, Oh, I did this, that and the third. And I'm like, Oh, it must be nice. I'm over here eating a pint of ice cream, crying over the, over this ASPCA commercial and I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love how real you are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, seriously, this, this woman can cry over an SPCA competition, but yeah, go to a powerlifting and lift 250 pounds and right. like nothing. Like I I'm love the, that about you. Oh. It's, it's, it's a lot of give and take and um, there just, just stick with it. And like I said, stick to your own journey, focus on your own journey and your own personal goals. I love it. That's, that's such a good piece of advice to give. I don't even want to cloud over that at all. That's, that's the way it is. Uh, CBD or THC? We didn't specify. We just said cannabis. So are you a CBD user, THC, or, or is there do you have a I, preference? I actually haven't tried any CBD products. I, um, I was recommended to try CBD oil because I did sprain my MCL at this last competition because um, I am having pain in my knee. Uh, when I do different uh, workouts. So I actually have to go find some like 
CBD lotion, but I just mainly do THC. All right. So you're a lot like me that way. So, yeah. so athlete, extreme athlete doing extreme motions and, and weights, uh, THC helps her sleep. That's, that's basically what your recovery you're using mm-hmm. for, right? Now, have you used THC before any of your workouts yet? No, um, I'm, I haven't, I have, I have a lot of friends, uh, in the sport who will go, um, I guess they'll go to the gym high and it helps them focus on their yeah. movements and I've had even a guy better. Here who does, yeah, yeah, because I, yeah. I can definitely tell um, the way my body moves better after I've smoked. But um, I, I'm too finicky, I guess. I don't, I'm too paranoid. Mm-hmm. I don't want to possibly go to the gym and ruin it. So I wait until after. Thank you for that perspective because everybody is different. Everybody should do what's yeah. best for them. And that's what's going to be what helps your lifestyle for the long haul. Right. Because, I mean, I mainly use it to go to sleep. So if I if I smoke myself out and then I get to the gym, I'm like, mm, I'll do this tomorrow, whatever. <laughs> I'll leave, come back the next day. Won't make that mistake again. So for your MCL, I actually recommend tinctures, CBD tinctures. Okay. Um, when you do use THC, this using the CBD will take away the high of the THC. So if you do it congruently... So I'd almost maybe recommend you getting some tinctures, um, maybe a thousand milligram because you do have an injury and the CBD should help that injury perpetuate the healing process and a lotion you would write, but the lotion really what it's going to do is it's going to take away swelling. So if you don't have swelling in the knee, mm-hmm. the lotion may not do as much if it's a topical, but if you get a lotion where the CBD will actually absorb into your skin, uh, then there's a better chance for that to help repair as well through okay. there. Awesome. Um, and we do have our lotion going on the market soon. Today, we actually pumped out two cases of our lotion today of the Oud Wood lotion, CBD oh, lotion from our company. That's convenient. So we had the two, we have 50 bottles now, six ounce bottles. So this is a little cursor, precursor, everybody out there. Um, our labels, we're still waiting to perfect our labels and we will not put them to market until we get our labels right. But the lotion started getting pumped out into bottles today. Um, I have a little sample for you that I'll be giving you. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's Oud Wood, Tom Ford's Oud Wood, which is one of the most uh, expensive fragrances out there. Um, we've actually brought that in. And then we have a grapefruit fragrance, so it'll be starting to pump tomorrow. Oh, cool. uh, and they will be to market within the month uh, at our end CBD supply store in Henrietta, as well as our other end vape shops across Rochester. So that's sweet. our big exciting news. So I'm glad that we did that pumping today. And we talked about this because you get... To, a little bit of a sample of ours today. I'm so I'm excited. Tell you how it goes. Yeah, I know you will. That's going to be the best part. Yeah. Uh, social media. If anybody wants to follow you or your powerlifting and, and your your fun in, in in your competitions, how would they be able to follow you? Um, so on Instagram, my handle is Dragon Lady with two Y's. It's all one word, and then that's that's pretty much where I post everything. It's very eclectic with my makeup, my powerlifting, my travels. Everything's on that page. I don't have like a strict powerlifting page or something. No, that's good. That's great. Uh, my handle is Hempletics, just so everybody knows on Instagram. Well, I also have Hempletics.com where I got the gear gear for sale for everybody. I have all the episodes listed with some information as well as the affiliated links of all the businesses that have tied with us. So for all of us today, Bob Pye, for our wonderful guest, Miss Schaefer out of Syracuse, Rochester, and traveling the world, uh, following her in the Strongman competitions. Keep an eye out if she pops back in for another competition. Uh, other than that, I hope you enjoyed tonight. Was it as relaxing as I told you it would be? It was awesome. Thank you for joining us, and uh, and I wish you all the best in your travels. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Anything else, Bob? I'm good. Bye, everybody. Bye. Get off the couch. 